0: Come on, let's give Jesus a hand this morning. What's up, Creation Fest? It's so good to be here. I am excited. Listen, I'm, I'm big on first, uh, and I have I've had the chance and the ability, the privilege to speak all over the country, all over the world, in camps, conventions, public schools, assemblies, churches, retreats. But this is, on this stage, my very first Creation Fest music festival, so I'm excited. Come on, y'all. I'm excited this morning. I'm not sure if, uh, if that's the Holy Spirit or it's the Red Bull I drank, but I'm very excited. Let's dive right in. I've got a limited amount of time with you, and so I want to dive right in this morning. I want to talk to you on the subject of pain. Everybody say pain. I'm, and so this morning you might be up here looking at me and you're going, man, I see your knee up there. I've got a torn meniscus I'm going to stand on uh, while I'm speaking. So I've got a new understanding of of pain right now. But I, in order to really understand this, I, I want to take you back and I want to help you get to know me just a little bit because we're getting to know each other for a few minutes here. Uh, and I want to help you understand that I've got not one, not two, but I've got three children. Come on, clap for three children, y'all. Yep. We've made a recent decision in our house. We've been praying about it. My wife and I have been talking about it. And we have decided we're actually going to keep all three of our children. Uh, and so we feel good about that. But I want to take you back all the way to the, when my very first child was born. I've been married about five years. And I I actually really wasn't that good with kids. I was really great with junior high students, really great with senior high students. But, I, but I'm a little bit ADD and, and a little hyperactive. So I, I could scare. Little kids sometimes, so like I'd be walking down the street, and I'd be like, "Hey, how's he going?" They'd be like, "Mom, a strange man," you know. And, and so I never was really that good with kids. So I wanted to wait to have kids, and so we waited till uh, we were, we had been married about five years, and and so I finally was convinced that the reproduction process was of God, and and so we went ahead and we 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 took the time to make that baby, and that was fun. It's fun when you're married, and uh, and uh, and. And then my wife got pregnant and, and nine months later, which let me just pause right there and just speak to the women. I'm not sure why God decided on nine months. Why couldn't it have been like a three-day thing, you know? Like you, you, you get pregnant, three days later, out pops a kid, you know? And, uh, but nine months goes by and it's time for us to have that child We were living in Minneapolis, Minnesota at the time. It was February. It was like negative 40 degrees below zero, you know, and it was 6 a.m. We had a a C-section scheduled, which is like really convenient because you can like put it on the calendar and map it out, and and so we, we drove into the hospital at 6 a.m. I'm a nervous wreck. I'm so nervous that I actually blacked out and almost fainted while they were prepping my wife for surgery, you know. And the nurses are gathered around me. Nobody's around my wife who's having the baby. And they're like, the dad's going down. Orange juice for the dad, you know. And, and, uh, and so for obvious reasons, they wouldn't let me into the operating room until like the last 30 seconds of the operation. And, uh, and I'll never forget that moment, man. There's like, there, it's not exactly... Exactly how you pictured and how you dreamed it would be, I, you know. I there's a lot of slime happening there, you know, and and there's this cord thing hanging. And I just remember like, wow, okay, this is it, you know. And and they looked at me and they they said, do you want to cut the cord? And I was like, uh, no, thank you, you know. And and uh, and then they sent me into this nursery, and th- this is where like all of the dads wait for their moment with their child. And I I go into this nursery, and there are two realizations that. I had while I was in the nursery. The first realization that I had was I had no idea how fast they pop out babies in these hospitals. There's like a new kid coming into the room like every 30 seconds, wah, pff, wah, pff, wah, you know, and they weren't making that noise. But you understand what I'm saying. And, and so the second thing that I realized is something all of you have thought, most of you have probably never had the courage to say it out loud. I'll do it for you this morning. I realized on that day there are a lot of ugly babies out there. Like, U-G-L-Y, you, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly. Like, they're bringing these kids in, and I'm, like, wanting to congratulate the parents. Like, oh, hey, wow, congratulations on your, your lizard, you know, and, uh, and that's a neat alien you've got there, you know. And, and then they brought my daughter in. And when they wheeled her in, it was like this precious heavenly moment. It was like... Ah, I remember being enthralled with her. I mean, literally, she would breathe, I would get excited. I remember taking her home and literally pulling up a chair and watching her sleep for fun. I remember calling in my wife to her, the nursery room at home and being like, sweetie, come in here. She's breathing. My wife would be like, good you're an idiot. You know, that kind of thing. I just was so, so happy. I mean, she would make a noise. She'd go, ha! Ah. I'd go, sweet, Did you hear that? She said, ha! Ah. How cool is that? I mean, I was in love with this little girl. Now let me fast forward with you to when she was three years old and we were preaching a crusade in Guatemala and, uh, and, and about 2,000 people at this crusade and man, things are happening. We had almost 1,000 people give their lives to Christ that night. Almost 700 people were physically healed that night. But that night as we begin to drive back to the airport the next morning, we found out, we discovered that something was wrong with now my three-year-old little girl. We discovered that she, was, she began to throw up, and then as we got home back to Dallas, Texas, where we were living, we, we discovered that she was now hallucinating, and, and so in the middle of the night, that next night when we got home, we had to take her to the children's emergency room, and when we got there, they, they figured out that she had this disease called viral encephalitis, And I had this moment, and those of you that are moms and dads understand, how many of you know when your children are hurting, you would much rather have you experience that pain than have your children experience that pain? Because I remember them having to do the spinal tap on her four times, and they couldn't get the needle into her back, and she's screaming, and she's crying, and she's touching my hand, she's squeezing my hand, and she's saying, Dad... Why are you letting them do this? Tell them to stop, please. And she's screaming, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. And I thought to myself for one of the first times in my life, God, why? Why would you allow a child, a three-year-old little girl to go through that kind of pain? And what I've discovered now in my almost 30 years of walking with Jesus and, and speaking all over the world is that that's a question that all of us at some point or another, if we're willing to admit it, we all ask that question at some point. God, why would you allow the drunk driver to to hit and kill a family that was walking with you and that loves you and now they're, 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 they're dead. God, why would you allow cancer to strike one of my best friend's body? God, God why would you allow that, that man who's been walking with you and tithing faithfully and, and giving his finances and trusting you, why would you allow him to lose his job and to allow somebody that is less deserving to keep their job or to get that raise? God, Why? It's the subject of pain. It's the fact that every single one of us understands that we don't go looking for stuff to happen in our lives. We don't go looking for pain and trouble and sorrow. But how many of you know if you've lived long enough, you don't have to look for it. It eventually comes to you. Am I right? There's a story that I want you just to flip your phones to really quickly in 2 Samuel chapter 9. And we're going to read just verses 1 through 13 if you have your phones, if you have your paper Bible, whatever. 2 Samuel chapter 9 verses 1 through 13 that helps us understand pain in a new way. It's one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. I'm going to read the verses really quick and then we'll talk about them and then we'll be done before this lady kicks me off the stage. The Bible says, David asked, is there anyone still left? Of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Zeba. Just for fun to wake everybody up this morning. Everybody just yell, Zeba. Yeah, that's just, no purpose in that, but just it's a fun name. They summon him to appear before David and the king said to him, "'Are you Ziba at your service?' he replied. The king asked, "'Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness?' Ziba answered the king, "'There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet.' "'Where is he?' the king asked. Ziba answered, he's at at the house of Machir, son of Amiel in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, everybody say Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, I dare you to say that ten times really quickly and see what happens. When Mephibosheth... Son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David. He bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table." Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table, and he was lame in both feet. So here we have David, King David, the the same guy that killed Goliath, the same guy that was anointed by Samuel to be the king of Israel, the, the same guy that was spoken of to be a man after the Lord's own heart. We've got him saying, hey, I'm thinking about my lineage and I want to bless somebody. And so he asked his servant, is there anyone left of the house of Saul? And really why he asked that question isn't because of Saul. He's asking that question because of his best friend, Jonathan. And what's interesting about the story is the fact that the, the man, his servant, responds. And he says, yes, there is a guy that is left of the house of Saul, but he's crippled in both feet. Now, as, as I read the story, I begin to understand that it kind of bothers me that this guy is actually identified by his pain, before he's identified by his name. Before the name is given, before we hear and and read the name Mephibosheth, he speaks and he says, yes, there is a guy, but he's crippled, he's lame, he can't walk, he's crippled in both feet. His pain actually defined who he was. You say, what does that have to do with me Pastor Wayne, well it has everything to do with you because I know in a crowd this size and I know literally if I'm talking one on one to somebody, whether it's a hundred or two thousand people, I know this. I know everybody has something. Everybody. The ones that have been walking with Jesus their whole life. If you're here today and you know nothing about Jesus and you came because a pretty girl told you there'd be music and you're just here chilling and now I've woken you up this morning and you just want me to, this hyper, hyperactive small guy to get off the stage. You, you, no matter what reason you are here, I know everybody in this audience has something. What is it for you? Maybe you're here and your wife suddenly left. Maybe you're here and your dreams are crushed. Maybe you're here and you'd say, I never knew my dad. Maybe you've been abused. Maybe you've got a disability that you've had to work through your whole life. Maybe your son or your daughter's life is a wreck and you're hurting for them. Maybe your best friend died. Maybe you can't seem to figure out God's will for your life. Maybe you've committed a crime. Maybe you're here and you've been molested. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you're here and financially you can't get a hold of your life. I don't know what your pain is, but I know we all have something. And I have a friend that says it like this. I don't need to know your name to know your pain because I got my own. I don't need to know your shame to know your game because I got my own. But here's what I want to help you understand. Maybe your pain is helping you get stronger. Hello? James chapter 1, verse 12 said, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those that love him. If, there's, if you're in this crowd today and you're asking the questions, is this worth it serving God? Is this working following Jesus? Is it worth it and is it working? I'm here today to tell you it's worth it. I'm here today to tell you it's working. I'm here today to tell you that you're getting stronger. And here's what I want to help you understand. Yeah. I want to help you understand that because of his pain, he actually was able to receive from the king. You see, all the other sons of Saul and all the other household of Saul had been sent out to battle, and they had all died. And I just have news for you today in case you didn't know. You don't send a lame person, a crippled person, into battle. Hello? The reason he's still alive and the reason he can receive from the king is because of his pain. The reason why God can bless you and the reason why you're getting stronger in your faith, it's not in spite of your pain. It's because of your pain. Come on, y'all. God wants to bless you, your king. The greater Jesus to David wants to bless you. He wants you to receive. And you may be here and you may say, like Mephibosheth, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me. Listen, if you're here today and that's your sentiment, you're going, man, I just feel like I don't even belong in Christianity. I just feel like I don't even belong in the kingdom of God. I just feel like a dead dog right now, man. I, I don't feel like I belong at all. Listen to me. Listen, y'all. God would never think of you as a dead dog at the king's table. He thinks of you as a son or daughter of the living God. And he says, pull up a chair and come eat at my table. Come on. Come on, eat with the king. Today, y'all. My own pain started years after when we started a church in the city of New Orleans almost 11 years ago. And I woke up one morning and I couldn't breathe. And I just thought it was a little sports asthma, which I'd had most of my life, but that breathing problem didn't go away and it got worse and it got worse and it got worse. And They figured out that there was something wrong with my lungs. And I had seven operations in a year and a half. And 12 bouts of pneumonia. And I I was near death's door for about two and a half years. I was pastoring a brand new church plant from my bed. And one day I had 104 fever. It was kind of an average day for me. That happened a lot. I had a staph infection. And that happened a lot as well. And I was throwing up. And I remember... The enemy coming into the room that night and whispering, you're going to die. The church is never going to succeed. You're never going to reach the city of New Orleans. I remember those thoughts being whispered in my mind. And as they were whispered, I felt sick. Not only in my body, I felt sick in my spirit. Have any, are any of you willing to admit there's been a time in your life where you were so sick in your body that you felt weak in your spirit? Yeah. And... I felt that. And I asked that same question I had asked God years before with my little girl. I said, God, why? And this is the words that he whispered to me. He said, Wayne, you've only ever known 50% of me. I said, God, I have no idea what you're talking about. He said, you've only ever known the power of my resurrection. Welcome to the fellowship of my sufferings. I said, Lord, I want to know you. And I was reminded of what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. Verses 7 through 10, he said he wants to know Christ in the power of his resurrection and in the what? In the fellowship of his suffering. You see, it is through our suffering that we get closer to Jesus that it is an avenue of closeness and intimacy with Christ that we can only experience that way. This morning, as I wrap up, I want you to know That God sees your name. He sees your pain. And he wants you to pull up a chair. He wants you to literally pull up a chair. And he's inviting you to come and sit at his table. This morning I want you to bring whatever's going on in your life. Whatever emotional struggle. Whatever financial, relational, physical struggle. Whatever's happening in your life. I want you to bring your insecurities. I want you to bring whatever is happening. And I want you to say, you know what? I belong at the table of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And here's the great thing about the table. When we sit at the table, we are not defined by our pain. You see, you can't even see the lame feet, the lame legs underneath the table. The table covers it all. And the king's table, which is the blood of Jesus, will cover your pain. He just wants you to come and sit at his table. I'd ask for just a moment right now that every head would be bowed and every eye would be closed all across this place. If you're here this morning and you'd say, Pastor Wayne, I want for the first time maybe to come sit at the king's table. I want you to know that Jesus loved you. He bled for you. He died for you. He sees your pain. He knows your name. He wants, he's inviting you to come sit at his table. I'm not talking about becoming a religious person. I'm not talking about which way you vote. I'm talking about saying yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here and you'd say, I want to do that for the first time. Or you're here right now and you'd say, I want to come back to the table. Because if I'm honest, I've stepped away from the table. I've walked away from the table of God. And if I'm honest, I want to come home and I want to come back to the table. If that's you here today with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to pop your hand up in the air when I hit three. I want to come sit at the table for the first time or I need to come back to the table and have relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want you to know how much he loves you. I want you to know the price that he paid for you. I want you to know that he rose from the dead for you. If it would have just been you, he still would have done it. He's inviting you to his table. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to lift up your hands and get ready for Jesus to change your life. One. Two, all across this place, hands lifted right now. Three, lift up your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand. Yeah, all the way in the back. I see your hand. Yep. Anybody else? Yep. All the way up on the hill there. I see your hands. Both of you. Yeah. I see your hands all the way up the. Op. I see your hands up there. Anybody else? Yep. That's me. That's me, Pastor. That's me. That's me. Yep. I see your hand over here. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for waving at me. Yep. I see you over here. I see you right here. Let's stand to our feet across this room. Or across this field right now. Let's stand to our, our feet right now. Let's stand to our feet right now. I don't know how many raised their hands. It was about 20 or 25, if I'm guessing, but can we all pray this prayer together? Can we say, Jesus? Come on, all of us. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me and for raising from the dead. Thank you that you have invited me to sit at your table. I realize that I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the living God, that because of your sacrifice and your resurrection, I can have relationship with you. Help me to serve you until I see you face-to-face on that day, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, can we give the Lord a hand for 20, 25 people that said yes this morning? I want to pray one more prayer before we leave. How many of you would be willing to admit that you've got something going on in your life, whether it be little or whether it be big? I was honest and transparent enough to share with you about my life. How many of you would say, and you're going to discover there's more people than you think, would say, I need God to come and bring me close right now during this season of my life. I I need God to cover my pain right now. Come on, raise your hands high. Look around, y'all. We're not alone. The devil makes us try to think we're alone. We're not alone. We got people that want to walk with us that are walking through their own stuff. I want to pray over you if you raised your hand. Father, I, I pray that you would help all in this crowd to know that the, the table that you're inviting them to will cover their pain. I pray, God, that they would embrace the suffering, that they would understand, Jesus, that, Lord, you want to know, they want to know you in the power of your resurrection and in the fellowship of your suffering. Help each one. To be encouraged and to feel, Lord, an an incredible, tangible presence of Jesus really close this morning. And bless the rest of our time at Creation Fest in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. I love you. For those of you that want to hang out, I'll be in the woods at 2 o'clock. God bless you.